Hello and welcome to the Octopus Revenue Podcast. This is an educational and informative podcast series all about hotel revenue management. We have some great discussions for you in each episode to give you insights and tips on all of the major issues facing us in the hospitality industry. It's no revelation to any of you that COVID-19 has had a major impact on our industry. The big question is though, how do we bounce back and how do we do it safely? We want to help you get an understanding of what's going on and how those of us in the revenue management community can effectively and proactively respond and plan for recovery. There's never been a better time to share ideas and pass on knowledge to support one another because the road out of this might be long, but we're all on that road together. In this episode, we are joined by Nitu Mystery, Commercial Director at SICAS. We will hear Nitu's views on the role of the RMS in a post-COVID world and how revenue managers may need to adjust their focus when it comes to forecasting in the new normal. This is a really transparent discussion and I hope you find it as refreshing as me. Hi Nitu, great to have you join us today. Thanks, Sarah. It's lovely to speak to you again after such a long time. Looking forward to our chat today. Good. Um, And just for the listeners, Nitu, would you mind just giving us a brief overview of your role and the company? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am commercial director, as Sarah has just said, for SciCast Hospitality. Um, We are a third-party management company that run and operate hotels across um, the UK and Europe. Um, We have hotels in Germany, Benelux, and the UK, as I mentioned, Um, and we have a portfolio that's split from traditional hotels, full service, as well as the extended stay brands as well. So quite a mixed bag. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure the last four months will feel surreal to most, if not all of us. If you could cast your mind back that far, Nitu, did you have any idea how bad our industry would be hit by coronavirus? Yeah, I think um, if I cast my mind back that far, um, in the early part of this year, we saw the impact of COVID-19 really taking place and unfolding across the world. It was quite hard to digest and I think really hard to understand at the time as well how it would impact us. I think over time, we've seen the escalation of it coming to the UK and across Europe um, and have had to react accordingly we've had to adjust our lives accordingly and also the way in which we work this whole period of time it's been somewhat of a a roller coaster Uh, it's had its highs it's had its lows and I think there's still a lot of change that we're going to see come into our working and personal lives as we come out of the pandemic as well from a business perspective um, we have seen laws change, rules change, procedures and policies change as well. Um, And these have impacted people both professionally and personally. Um, Unfortunately, the hotel and travel industry has been one of the hardest hit, which has been quite difficult for everyone. We've had periods of uncertainty in the past and we've managed to recover from them. However, this, as many people have said, has been truly unprecedented and the scale of disruption has really been difficult to understand. And I don't think that it's going to be something that we come out of quickly or easily, but I think it is something that we as an industry will definitely bounce back from. It's just a matter of time and, and how we really do that. I couldn't agree more, Nitu. The scale of disruption to our industry has been immense. 
Looking back, what would you say that your biggest challenges have been, either personal or in business? So personally, there have been a couple of challenges. I don't think I ever envisaged how hard it would be working from home. I mean, I normally do this anyway, as I have a home office and, and travel quite a bit for work. Um, but with a small child um, in the background and with my husband also working, it's been quite difficult. I think this has been the biggest call out for a lot of people, um, not just in the hospitality industry, but across the globe in, in every industry, really. Um, and it's really trying to understand the priorities and how it's difficult to kind of manage them accordingly on a day-to-day -day basis between work and family. And one of the things that I've noticed that it really leaves little time for people to take self-care um, and it does put a big strain on everybody's mental health and well-being. And I think it's one of the things that I've learned, well, not easily, but over time is kind of making the time to pause and think about what's important and really refocus and when you do do that even if it's just kind of 10 minutes or half an hour something to just for you to to sit back and think about it really helps you kind of home in on how you want to refocus uh, I think from a working perspective you know things again from that roller coaster or curve I've been talking about have really gone up and down you know we have times where we're very busy we're trying to plan for the business of the future and at the same time you know there's people and teams involved so taking sensitivity and care around that and making sure that we keep in touch with everyone and ensure that everybody is in as good good as place as possible to you know continue with both their work and their personal life as well and I think that will strike a chord with a lot of people need to, to be honest, the balancing act of work, family, homeschooling, your own state of mind and well-being has been very difficult. And that really resonates with me and I'm sure it will with the listeners as well. Um, it's funny, the working from home aspect is nothing new for us. We've run our revenue management services remotely for the last six, six years. Um, I, this pandemic, though, I think it may have demonstrated that revenue management can be just as effective off site and hotels have the opportunity now to maybe adapt to this way of working moving forward, not just for revenue management, but maybe other roles such as marketing or finance, just as a couple of examples there. I think there's always been a perception that if you're not on site, then you're not necessarily focusing on the property or, or the role at hand but I think this does definitely demonstrate that you know you can undertake the same level of activities yeah. and have as much focus on the properties as if you were on site um, and you have less distractions as well from the on-site kind of demands and, and operational needs etc so I think this does kind of like span out not just from a revenue function which like you said in over the last few years has become more and more centralised but other business functions as well where that has started to become the norm. Um, one thing that I do have to say though is that need for individuals to meet and have face-to-face -face conversations and meetings will still be there but I think this definitely does give a, a new stance and a positive stance on those that have traditionally worked from home and not been office-based. And it may even open up the talent pool to allow hotels to recruit um, skilled revenue managers on that work from home basis. Definitely. I think that, that pool of talent and just the accessibility to it will definitely increase given 
the way that we can show we've been working over the last few months for sure. Definitely. Um, so now we're coming out of lockdown, um, Lee Two hotels are putting their plans together to reopen. How are you preparing mentally and what are your priorities over the next couple of weeks ahead? Yeah, at, um, at SciCast we've been quite fortunate actually in the sense that we've not had to close too many properties during this time, mainly because, like I mentioned before, our portfolio is quite weighted within the extended stay hotels um, portfolio which has allowed us to kind of keep um, properties open that are the perfect solution for key workers who have had the need for accommodation during this time. So we have unfortunately had to close certain properties, um, but we've also had the benefit that we've managed to keep a number of hotels open. Um, the extended stay concept, for those that aren't familiar with it, is the traditional hotel room, but with the added um, benefits of having a larger space, kitchenette amenities, um, a living area potentially, and then also on-site laundry and gym facilities. So as you can imagine, this is quite a big advantage for those key workers that have not been able to go home. Um, and, you know, whilst they've been providing care for um, individuals during this pandemic, so for our other properties that did close, um, we have looked at reopening. It was a difficult decision to close those um, from a business perspective, but also from a team perspective at the time. But we are now looking to gear up and reopen them. We've had a couple of properties across Europe reopen, and our primary focus around those has really been around planning and support. We've had to really revisit a lot of processes commercially um, to look at how we leverage both the brands that kind of we work with um, to make sure that the hotels are ready for that recovery plan, but also how we kind of look at our actions and activities as a company to support the properties to reopen as well. So I have to say that a lot of our preparation has really been around planning um, I oversee kind of all the commercial functions, so messaging around kind of sales activity, spending around marketing investment, etc., has been really, really key. And then the big part of it has been around getting the team refocused, getting them reinvigorated and motivated to kind of take on some of the challenges that we see, and then getting through this with really focused activity that has output and not just activity to kind of keep people busy and and fill time, but that really has tangible output that we can measure and, and make people feel that there's a positive light at the end of the tunnel. Sounds great. I'm sure the team will all be looking forward to it. Um, and Nitu, as you've got your eyes on multiple markets across the UK and Europe, what destinations do you see rebounding first? Yeah, I think this is a, a real difficult one and it's hard to just call out one or two markets individually. Generally, as, as we've started to see the industry data show the green shoots across China, and that's been really encouraging to show how they've started to move in the right direction. Um, I think Europe has really been ahead of the UK with regards to the pandemic, um, both from a starting point, but also the changes in the local government policies and how they've changed um, individuals and social distancing measures. There's been a few key markets that have shown quite good resilience. Um, if I call out just to 
a few of them, but maybe Germany has, has shown that they've been able to control the pandemic much better. They've shown more flexibility around kind of travel um, domestically, of course. Um, but also, I think, you know, it's it's been very difficult across different countries because the measures have been so different. I think the self-isolating policies that are currently being talked about are going to be key to the recovery of um, the UK market, especially um, the 14 days kind of before and after travel and what happens with that is going to play a huge impact on both the airline industry as well as hotels. So it's going to be quite difficult to see where that ends up, depending on what's decided. So I think the domestic travel piece is going to be key, as everyone has been saying, um, to the recovery of a lot of markets. You know, we're going to start looking at those types of segments of businesses um, coming back to support, you know, the performance of hotels and the travel industry. I think the self-isolating policies that the airlines will have to adopt because of the government direction will also be key to how we change our business and, and see how business returns to us. So I think it's going to be an interesting one, but I'm hoping that, you know, recovery in UK and Europe will kind of follow a similar pace. And, you know, we've started to see the positivity in China, like I mentioned, and if we can follow the same trajectory, then, you know, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And once the recovery starts to take form, do you see brands stealing market share from independence? Yeah, I think this is an interesting topic because as an industry, we're not just made up of big branded hotels. You know, we have a large conglomeration of smaller independent properties, um, hotels, extended stay apartments, etc., which also make part of who we are as an industry. Um, however, all the signs at the moment and all the kind of webinars and documentation that we read and we hear of definitely point towards customer confidence being tailed around the larger brands. And I think this is very much to do with the fact that they have the loyalty, they have the messaging, the transparency, and then also the ability to kind of enforce processes um, around cleanliness, around social distancing. Um, and it's very transparent. So it gives the customer a wider peace of mind. And they have that marketing spend an ability to be able to translate that across a wider audience than a smaller property that would normally be able to do that. So I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, I think the brands will probably start to recover a lot sooner. They have the wider distribution, they have the wider reach, um, and then we'll start seeing the independent properties kind of come through. Um, but, you know, there is a trend, and there has been over the last few years, of you know, customers wanting or preferring that, you know, unique experience. So we don't know where this will take us because there may be this need that customers no longer want to just stay in the bog standard hotels, but want to reach out and, and do something different. So it's going to be a, a changing tide, I think, and it will all be led by what the individual or the customer wants. And we're going to have to see how we manage across there. And with hotels incurring increased costs now for areas such as PPE, cleaning materials, payroll, etc., undoubtedly variable room costs will rise. Um, do you see this having an impact on price? Oh, this is a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think there's definitely added pressure on the bottom line of the P&L. I think hotels have been impacted and they've had to kind of rightly so take on 
you know, additional cleaning methods, additional social social distancing methods. And this obviously has had a, an impact on the costs that they have had to incur. I think, you know, sanitisation um, measures, etc., have been really important. I think how we review and serve breakfast and, you know, take care of the guests that are in-house um, so that when they are having interaction, there's PPE involved um, and it's available on request where we need to. I think there's been investment in all of those areas, so that has been tough. I think we almost have to kind of view those two things separately with regards to that and pricing because, you know, with the lack of demand that's been there um, and the lack of availability in terms of what we're allowed to do in terms of staying at properties has added pressure to pricing. Um, I think the correlation between supply and demand has also changed with, you know, properties not being able to open from a new opening perspective because of construction challenges, etc. And I know we're coming out the back end of this now, but I think it's difficult to just say that, or it's, it's not as easy to say as it was before, that there is a correlation where we can pass on, you know, cost to the customer because it's just simply not that easy anymore. And we have to be mindful of people's travel needs, budgets, requirements as well. So I think it's going to be an interesting time for hotels and their overall P&Ls to kind of assess, you know, doing the right thing um, and then also being able to kind of make sure that they're not um, losing out from a profit perspective because they're having to undertake all of this stuff but not being able to kind of price accordingly. And the pricing factors will always be market dependent. So that's going to be a huge impact as well. And just on pricing, for hotels that use a revenue management system to generate their price recommendations, what role do you see the RMS playing in the early days of reopening? Bearing in mind that historical data will be lost or just completely distorted. I think this is an, an interesting topic and how you've described it is probably like quite a, a general view at the moment with regards to you know, what RMSs have previously done, how they've taken data, how they've provided guidance and optimization. I think, you know, in this current um, time that we live in, you know, technology is moving so quickly. And we've seen even before this pandemic, you know, companies really working hard on making sure that technologically these systems and tools that we have at, at our disposal um, really take into account many, many different factors now, just not history. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how the technology companies will evolve those RMSs to take into consideration those points that, that you've just mentioned. But I think the big thing is that even though the historical of the last three months have been very different to a normal trading pattern, so to speak, um, it's going to remain important that we keep this information and we track the changes and behaviours because these systems will have to adapt to it because I think moving forward, it's going to have to understand that what happened this year, um, fingers crossed and touch wood, that it doesn't repeat. And so what have we learned from this that we can take forward? And how do we not just react or, you know, take short term measures, but really plan for the long term? So I think the big thing that will happen is kind of how we measure and review the RMS will change, how we kind of um, work with it and what we take from it will change. But I think 
fundamentally for revenue managers, it's quite a core part of the tools that they use. So, um, yeah, I think the involvement of the technology will probably be a big part of that. And just on other core parts of revenue management, if we just look at metrics as an example, RevPAR, which is probably the most commonly used, um, and in fact, a lot of revenue managers are actually bonused on the hotel's RGI performance. Do you see other metrics such as GOP per available room or profit per available square metre becoming uh, coming into play a little bit more? And do you think revenue managers will have to adjust their focus to factor in costs and profitability as opposed to just looking at the top line revenue? Yeah, absolutely. I think the focus of revenue managers will not just be on the top line, but on the bottom line as well. The PL profitability is going to play a huge part of that. And I think, you know, because there's going to be a restriction in terms of, like I've just said, demand and what we can really get from a top line perspective, we are really going to have to support um, our teams and the hotels and the finance teams on kind of how we deliver the bottom line. So commercial costs and investments, you know, where we spend on, like I said earlier, marketing, sales, um, tools, processes are all going to be kind of key as part of that decision-making process. So, yeah, I definitely think metrics will evolve. It's just what, what they will look like moving forward. And do you see the potential shift in metrics having any, any bearing on the hotel's ability to forecast? I think forecasting is an interesting subject. We've definitely passed the wave of saying it's impossible to put a forecast together at this stage because we were going through a period of cancellations and, you know, demand dropping significantly and corporates not travelling. And it was very difficult to kind of gauge an accurate behaviour or trend in terms of what we were looking at in that kind of previous three months that we've just gone through. I think because there's so much that's changed over that period but now even looking at ahead there's very little like you've said that's got business on the books with properties or we're still in the process of reopening the future planning is is probably key and I think to have a sustainable business model to look at reopening and, and being open for a long period of time you know forecasting is still absolutely vital I just think the metrics and the measures and what we look at in terms of data points is probably going to evolve significantly. Um, I think there's a large proportion of history that we'll probably lose or just kind of use as reference. But there's so many other data points from a macro perspective, such as market data, examples from kind of other industries and I guess other businesses. Um, a lot of what we've been looking at is different countries and how they've trended in their performance. Um, that's been absolutely key in Europe. Like I've said, Europe's been quite far ahead of the UK. So in a couple of hotels where we've had the benefit of, you know, using that trending behaviour to look at how we would do our performance and, and planning for the UK has been great. I think we touched on this before, but we're going to have to look at consumer buying trends and how that's changed significantly and, and what that will look like in the future. I think there's a piece around, and I know we just touched on this, but um, cost of acquisition has been a big thing for a number of years now in the industry, but that's going to play more and more of a, a focus moving forward in terms of the types of business that we're taking. 
And I think how events are being rescheduled, cancelled, um, etc., are going to have a huge impact as well. So I think, you know, the forecasting element remains. It may not just be as accurate as we're probably used to. Um, and we're probably having to look at a larger data source um, and data points to kind of get to what we feel is is the right point. And I guess, you know, with any forecast, you don't know how accurate it is it is until the time has lapsed. But I think there's a lot more now that goes into that particular task or activity than we probably looked at before. And with more input required along with that, the market segment mix um, is likely going to change over the next few months ahead. I mean, we're going to have less contracted and prepaid business on the books. Um, and Therefore, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot more risk to the forecast, especially during these uncertain times. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, assumptions that I know that when we've been looking at reopening properties, but even forecasting for the properties that are open currently, we've been looking at a number of assumptions that we've kind of made clear at that process to say that, uh, you know, we've got this on the books or we assume that there's going to be these changes in terms of policies or there's this work or activity that we're undertaking that might have X percentage that will come off from it. So there is a list of kind of checkpoints that I think is useful for you to have as a sense check on how we're taking and undertaking the forecasting process. And I suppose it'll just be a case of reviewing, tracking changes and spotting any trends comparing the actual with what was forecast, which is what revenue managers do anyway. It's just a case of relearning that whole exercise. And Nitu, you mentioned earlier that the the different types of accommodation options that you have. Um, Based on the facilities, do you see extended stay apartments taking the lead over and above the more traditional hotel accommodation? Yeah, like you said, I think we touched on this before a bit. And I know that, you know, just... From our personal experience with the hotels that we operate and the extended stay properties that we operate, plus all the things that we read um, in the industry press and on webinars, etc., there has been definitely a resilience in the extended stay market. Um, so this is kind of business that stays seven night plus traditionally. So it's long stay business. Um, and I think the nature of the properties and how they've been constructed and what they're built for really lends itself well to a social distancing, but long stays during this period. So if we're talking about, you know, policies being introduced about self-isolating for 14 nights, then you travel somewhere, you know, the extended stay proposition is almost perfect for that type of business. I think also the fact that, you know, traditional processes like check-in and check-out are very different. We can go really non-contactless. Um, on those in most hotel companies. We also have the ability to do no no contact housekeeping. Um, You're over a period of time, so we can, you know, vary how linen is changed, how cleaning is done, etc. And the on-property teams have been really flexible in terms of enabling that from a a guest perspective. You know, the traditional buffet breakfast doesn't need to kind of follow that process, and we deliver takeaway breakfast to um, the doors of the the guests in-house. So there is a lot of flexibility, I guess, and that home away from home feel is really what the extended stay market go after, and that's really kind of supported 
during this pandemic. Um, there's a number of things like the room sizes are bigger. You can have a one or two bedroom apartment. So I think they've definitely shown resilience and I think they will continue to, to kind of show the strength over this period of time. But I don't think that necessarily takes away from traditional hotel accommodation. I think it's just being able to offer customers what the need is at the time. And I think even before COVID happened across the world, you know, extended stay apartments have really shown huge amounts of growth year on year in terms of their performance. And we've seen that in, in various markets where the supply and the demand for extended stay has just increased by different business segments, etc. So I think it's not a short term fix, but I don't think it necessarily completely takes away from traditional hotels either. And we've just mentioned market segmentation there earlier. What are your thoughts around the meeting and event segments in light of social distancing measures? Um, and also the fact that a lot of businesses have adapted to work from home. Yeah, I think um, the social weddings um, part of the business is when, when the time comes where the policies are relaxed will take a huge boom. I know that I was um, going to attend two weddings myself this year and they've obviously been cancelled. And so I know that the couples are dying to almost just get dates booked back in and, yeah. and plan to have their big day. So I think that market will be very much dependent on the policies and how quickly those guidelines change. Um, and we'll probably see a boost in those larger hotels where they can accommodate those weddings and those venues, etc. Um, I think meetings and events is it's been quite hard hit for obvious reasons. And I think the working home thing um, naturally people are assuming that it's going to almost massively impact the meetings and events domain and, and hit it quite hard but I think there's a big piece around how meetings are evolving and it's not necessarily that we won't meet again it's just the nature of the meetings will change and it's how we as, as an industry really adapt to that and I've seen already and I'm sure you have that there's a lot of companies out there, um, including ourselves, who have really adapted and tried to be creative in the way that we talk about meetings. So is it really a meeting or is it a creative function um, that we're hosting and trying to, you know, do as best as we can with the social distancing measures? So I think, you know, really creative spaces are going to be the key for the future and how we accommodate that within our traditional, I guess, meeting and events capacity. Um, I think the need that businesses are going to keep people working from home will probably last a, a longer time than we anticipate. But there is a big kind of call out here to say that there is a need for people to meet. There is a need for people, and not just from a human interaction perspective, but from a, a business perspective that you know, some things do need to be done face to face, especially when you have and, and manage large teams. I know that it's sometimes difficult to have like 10 or 20 people on a call and have a collaborative working session, um, you know, on, on Zoom or Skype or, or Microsoft Teams. It's, it's really difficult. So there is definitely going to be a, a, a rapid bounce back when it does happen, that the measures are clear in terms of what can and can't happen. 
And I think, you know, the way that we work and the type of meetings will definitely change. But I don't think it's completely going to disappear. I think conference venues and meeting spaces are going to be key, but it will just probably take a bit longer to recover. Yep. And when you get your full team back together, Nitu, what do you think the first discussion points will be on your agenda? So it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's actually when I get my team back together face-to-face because at the moment um, we do have, and, and we've been really good as a team, we have our weekly catch-ups, we have our quizzes, um, like everybody does, um, which is good fun. And you learn different things about different people now having you know gone through this. And one of the things that I know that I did with my team was ask them a whole list of questions about kind of how they're coping during this time. And one of the things that came out predominantly from the answers was around kind of keeping this Friday quiz that we have going, <laughs> uh, which has been quite nice. But I think, you know, all the planning and stuff, as much as we've been able to do over calls and everything else, I think it's just kind of getting together and having that motivation to move forward in the, in the same direction and the right direction as a combined unit. I think that's been absolutely key. And then I think what everyone's been missing really is that team building and bonding because transactional work can be done really from anywhere. Um, But, you know, if you want successful teams, you want not just good teams, but great teams, then, you know, they need to have that ability to work together, to to kind of collaborate um, and to really support each other. And and for me, that's important because I look after three different functions. So, you know, a salesperson is very different to a revenue person, as you know, who is very different than to a marketing person. So, you know, transactional activity can only happen in silos, whereas but if you're trying to build a, a really good team, you need to kind of really get them to work together. So I think I, I'm looking forward to hosting a meeting sometime soon with everyone and making it a bit of a team building as well. Definitely. And just to round off, Nitu, if you could list three positives at all, at all to come out of this, what would they be? So this was a hard one for me. I, I took a lot of time, Sarah, to think about this because I was thinking, how do I, in this cycle of like the whole coronavirus, where I've said it's been like a roller coaster, where one minute you're kind of like, oh, I've got so much to do and I just don't have time to think, to the next minute where you're like trying to balance your work and home life and everything else it's just been so different and and difficult with its highs and lows so I think one of the things that when I look back is being able to refocus and look at what's important in life and I think that's a a very personal thing to me um it's almost like having your maternity leave back but working at the same time with a toddler in the house um and so that's been quite nice to spend the time with him as much as I can I think um, another thing is, like I just said earlier, is understanding my team better. It's a new team. It's a new commercial function within SciCast. So it's really been important that, you know, we bond and and we have the right vision and direction to make the function and the team as well as the business really successful moving forward. So it's been great to see a human side of me, I think, for them and vice versa, a different side of them for me as well so that's been really nice and and positive I guess and I guess again to end it on a bit of a light note um been able to brush up on you know some of my cooking and baking skills which I (laughs) never do because I travel and 
you know, never get a chance to do a proper home cooked meal. On the weekends, you're just too exhausted, and it's always takeaway on the weekend. So, yeah, there's lots of cakes and cookies in my house at the moment, and I think it's a good activity as well to do with the little one because you can't really get it that wrong. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great, and it's a good positive note for us to end on. Neetu, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today, and I hope you and your family stay safe. And I wish you and your team all the very best for the road to recovery. Thank you, Sarah. It's been great talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Octopus Revenue Podcast. If you like this episode and you want to hear more, please subscribe so you'll be notified when we release new episodes.